started. All right. Okay. <laughs> I almost did, like as a goof. We're, yeah, as a goof. <laughs> so, so I press the button to start the recording, and sometimes it starts right away. And then, like this time, it, it, it took so long, call it like 12 seconds, that I start doubting whether I press the button. And while we're waiting for it, Taylor goes, say something offensive. Just yeah, that'll start it. And I would have been busted by just rattling off. Peacock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a couple topics we were talking about beforehand. There was the magic thing, and was it Revenant talk? Oh, the marijuana thing. Uh-oh. Revenant, marijuana, uh, re- marijuana Investing. funds, Mag- yeah. uh, magic gathering, uh, any of those topics. I'd, I'd be All happy right. to delve. Taylor, into. pick first one. I was because I was speaking to Melissa because she just got back home. I only heard in passing what you said about magic going to All right, the store. I'll quickly, you quickly catch. Again? everyone but woody up so um i was just in in line at walmart last night and i saw there was a magic the gathering like starter bundle or whatever it was like 40 bucks and i i almost bought it thinking Do like you recall oh. what it was called no and uh but but I, and I almost bought it but i was thinking i would ask you like if i actually wanted to start out in this thing with the mindset that because woody explained to me that you know you could play so that like everyone has a starter deck and there's no like unique cards i suppose um, but I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound as much fun to me. Obviously, that's that, that's the smart way to play. I know it is. But I like the lottery of like getting new decks, I suppose, and having the opportunity to maybe get that $20,000 card. Uh, like I saw that guy did the unboxing on YouTube, that thing, and he was just like lost his shit. He had the card. Um, oh, the Mox Ruby, when the guy opened that pack? Sure, yeah. Red, yeah. Yeah, that's a so, $1,400 I, card. No, no, this was like a $20,000 card that this guy got. Oh, that... He lost his shit. I'll start looking for the video, but my question for you is, where do I start? I don't want to go ridiculous with it. Let's say fifty bucks or something. I, I'm gonna, if, 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 but if there's a seventy-five dollar option that gives me three times as many cards, I, I do that. So, so what do I need to start okay. with here? So, assuming it's gonna be a hundred dollar option, and it's gonna give you infinitely more than you would with one of those little starter decks, because yeah. the starter deck it's gonna be. Every single card is a carbon copy of every other card in every starter deck that looks the same as that, aside from, I think, like maybe three or four random rares, and most of those are shit. But if you get a booster box, it's a big box, and it has 36 of the booster packs that you open, and those are all randomized. And the funnest way to play with people would be like, let's say me, you, and Woody were together, and we all wanted to play. We'd all go in on a box like that together, and then we would draft from it. So Ah. we would each take a certain amount of packs have them next to us, we'd all open it, open the pack, look at all the cards, each pick one, put it face down, and then pass the rest of those cards to the left or right. And then you slowly make an aggregate deck of what everybody else is passing you, and it keeps people from just everybody having this OP card or something like that. Obviously, if you know how to draft, you're going to do better, but that's the most fun way to Wait, do it. Wait, there's a talent to drafting? Of course there is. Yeah. yeah. yeah you have yeah. to be able So, like, let's say first pack I open, I, I have a really good black rare. And I'm like, I'm taking this. This I'm gonna, you know, take this to the goal goal line, put it down. All the rest of the packs I get, none of them are good black cards, and it's all just good red. I might have to make the decision later, like, you know what? I had this great black card, but I'm only getting red, and so I'm either gonna have to make a black red deck or just sacrifice that black card and keep it and make a red deck. Like, so it definitely takes some skill to draft well. And I'm not the best at it. Like, I always lose myself and take the most valuable card regardless. Yeah, you'd want, you'd need to know situationally what the best card for you to take based on what the others had drawn, right? I think I didn't understand yeah. that at first. That's how... You look at the card and take it or pass? Is that the deal? Yeah. Uh, it's cards. not one individual card, though. So I open a whole pack and it's got like 12 cards or whatever. The tempting thing is, let's say I've already got a few 
red and green cards down in front of me that I've picked in prior packs. If it has a really good white rare, I might be like, ah, I should just take that just to have it, because you get to keep the cards you draft at the end. But there might be an uncommon or a common red or green card that fits with what I'm drafting better, and that would be the smarter draft move to take, and then just to pass the rare card with the remainder of the cards to the so, next person. So you take one card out of the pack, and you get to choose which of those you want, and then you yes. pass the rest of the pack, and then he gets to choose the one he wants until you get to the end when there's probably crappy cards left Yeah, in where it. you pretty much get forced to pick whatever's remaining. It also makes you pick, like, a. so if I pass a pretty good green card over to Kyle, and then Kyle passes it to you, and then you pass it back to me, and that good green card is still there, I have to make a you know, mental log of that and be like, all right, neither of them are drafting green. Maybe this is a good way for me to go. So I have a higher priority mm. as far as picking the color that I need. It's, it's a lot of fun. That would be... I, understand. I misunderstood in the beginning. I thought that you weren't looking at the card. I it's an that, alpha black like... lotus. An alpha black lotus. Yeah, that's the rarest card in the game. Yeah, Even I he, knew uh, about Black Lotus. He unboxes it um, live. You know, he's doing. He, he like meticulously opens the thing with a with an exacto knife or a scalpel looking tool, and he's wearing these uh, rubber gloves. And when he gets to it, he's just like, <laughs> like melts down. because yeah. he can sell that <laughs> card and buy like a used Honda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a twenty thousand dollar card from whatever it. And his hands, like, his, you know, he he's really he he does an excellent job with this video. It happens around eight minutes if you're if you're peeking. Um, he's he you know he every time as he's unboxing, he sort of flips the card and reveals it Shoot. not only to himself for the first time but to the camera. And it's it's like you're experiencing it with him. It's cool. Can, but then when he can we watch it? We'll just yeah, go sure. to um. So I, I'm at 741. I gave you guys a link. 741. Let me get there. He makes good videos. I'm there. It should, the I am there as well. Take, all right, ready, set, play. Sacrifice. Getting closer and closer. Lance, closer and closer. Copper tablets. I suppose the last card is always the rare. Enchant, animate artifact. I'm not sure how Sarah these early Angel, ones beautiful were ones. set up. Seems to be pretty centered. I think so. And last uncommon. This alpha, that's from like 1993. Here comes yeah. the first These alpha are the two rares. Here it comes. At eight minutes in, will it be the Lotus? Oh, wow. Tropical Island. Dual land. There oh, we go. Tropical Island. And that's really rare. And the other one too. is. Holy. <laughs> that's a freaking Black Lotus. <laughs> that's an alpha freaking Lotus. That's a. Holy. His hands are shaking. Yeah. Oh he just want a car. <laughs> yeah, because that's like opening ten thousand dollars. You called it. I think the oh deal with this deck God. he's opened. It, correct me if I'm wrong. Was that it was an that old deck? Happen. Like like he has him, his hands on oh something that gosh. that hasn't that wasn't we're released recently. It's like a vintage deck that's out. being opened for the first time, oh, right? That's correct. So Alpha oh is the God. name of the set. Thought so. so every yeah. so often they release a new Holy set. And like, it's uh, right there. The last time I was super into it, Cons of Tarkir and Dragons of Tarkir were the new sets. But uh, Alpha is the number oh one, and so it was oh, such a new game and a tropical at that island. time that so many of the cards they made were just ridiculously overpowered. You know, just like you can go back and play Holy. Call of Duty Four or Call of Duty Two and clearly see, like, yeah, these snipers in COD Two are fucking ridiculous. This is not sustainable. Someone has to fix these. But if you could somehow open that in the new Call of Duty, you'd be a monster. Like nobody could stop you. Yeah, if you could get the M16 from COD Four. <clears throat> you know, or you just suddenly have frag times three. Nobody else does. I don't look at the weapon stats anymore. There was a time when, like, mm -hmm. uh, 
I had them memorized. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure the M16 was doing like 40 or 45 damage per bullet with a three-round burst firing at 950 rounds per minute, which meant that with stopping power, only two of the bullets out of the three-round burst had to hit you to kill you without a headshot, um, which is pretty outstanding, but maybe if you compare it with you know the stats from the new games that I don't look at anymore because I'm not that invested, uh, there's something bigger or better. But the main thing that made it so killer uh, the stats I just quoted notwithstanding, was that all the other guns were pretty shitty, and there was some hit detection stuff in COD 4 that just made it a killer. It would one burst so often, um, nothing else seemed to kill nearly as fast. It was, uh, it was MP5 wonderful. was good, too. Yeah, yeah. That was my favorite gun in that game. Yeah, silenced MP5 with uh, dead silence and I like the noise jug. it made when it hit people, the silenced MP5. I, I got and sort of paper tearing. I, I had like guns for every map, you know, like for example, the, um, maybe it was the AK 47U on what's the one that had the lattice work. Was it strike or something? It was like a statue in the middle, a square building. Um, you could walk around the second showdown. Ah, oh, yeah. Showdown. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, you're talking about the one that's really small. They added it when they fixed the M, the, uh, the M40, uh, ACOG, like six weeks into the game, they added that map. Really? It's, um, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to look at that. It's it's pretty small. The most of the like B Dom happens right by the statue in the middle, and it's not. It's a very small map, and it, it has um, never been anything but COD Four. It's one of those things where as soon as you spawn in, you just start throwing the grenades over the building into the courtyard, and everybody runs through those tunnels into the middle. But mm-hmm. then on the on the inside, there's like a surrounding area where you can look down into the courtyard, and on the outside, there there's like two bases and and ladders and shit. Yeah, I, I can't think of the name of it, but that was added like six weeks into the game's life. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm looking was, it up. Um, I don't even know what you're describing it's that map. Showdown. Unless I'm just, it Good is one. showdown. Yeah. I had countdown in my head for some reason, but that's Here's the link. one. That's the that's huge silos. hanger one. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one too. That was great for spawn traps. The only map I really despised in that whole game was block. I liked block. Mm. See the no. trick. I bet you sniped on block, didn't you? Uh, no. All that yeah. you did on block was run through the buildings in a big loop with a silent submachine gun and kill yeah. snipers, and it gets really old yeah. after a while. I that, love it. That's the. That's what I was saying. You were, you were saying like, oh yeah, the MP5 was my favorite. Ah, I, so for vacant, I would use the shotgun inside because I didn't really have a lot of luck with the shotgun on a lot of maps. I found it hard to close the distance, but on vacant, I didn't. So you know, there were often routes I could run where I'd get people right up in front of me. That was my opportunity to use a shotgun. On showdown, uh, because it seemed like I was shooting into lattice work a lot, uh, I'd use a gun that had good penetration, like the AK-47 has good penetration. I think the AK-47U had the hip fire of an assault rifle, but like the penetration of one or something like that. Like it had seven some up- for you, yeah. Did I say it wrong? Um, it's seven for you, but you got the stats perfect. Okay. Um, and you know, so I would pick. Oh, LMG was fairly good for that map too. Again, because the penetration on it was so strong. Uh, and I had a friend I used to play with who would really get work done on Showdown with an LMG, so it would make me try it. But I used to have different styles on um, block, like you said. I like to stay in the in the buildings. I used to run a ghost class on that. Um, I think I even named it Ghost and just run around. I had, I like that game. Wet uh, work was my M16 map. I watched um, Beyond. Beyond was a really good player. I don't know how he stacks up against the other best of the best, but to me, he was kind of ex-Calish at COD Four, and I watched him. He, he went to beyond he went to wet work in this one video ah it, it it taught me how to play 
And um, he's just sort of working his kill streaks. He didn't have B-Dom, but he didn't like rush on it to his suicide. And he ended up going like 78 and 7 on it, which, you know, was an amazing score. Those kill streaks were not as effective as today's. And um, yeah, he was just, he was just really good at the game. Um, but he was even thinner skinned than me. And uh, <laughs> he, he just, he wasn't wired for YouTube and quit. Uh, so he was like a Sidney Crosby player, you know, very yeah. good, but often gets upset at nothing. Exactly. You know, except that, mm-hmm. um, you know, Sidney Crosby will in like, he'll make stuff up entirely. Whereas beyond would just, <laughs> you know, be, overly react to things that did actually happen. He didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> After you, uh, you said that shit last time about Sidney Crosby being a crybaby whiner. Like I knew you had more experience with it because you are out east, and so you watch Eastern Conference shit, and you're a Flyers fan. And I watched just a compilation on YouTube called like Crybaby Sidney Crosby, and I linked it a while ago. I saw and it. It's, it is so funny. It's just like people barely hitting him his rookie season, and him just. Oh, just woe is me throwing himself to the ice. And I never saw that because I was watching Western Conference games. But uh, it's a lot harder to respect him, even if that was years ago. Not only was he diving constantly, but he would dive and then go to the ref and beg for protection. Like, they're killing me out here, Smalls. And and you're just like, dude, you you dove. It was totally like, you know, this guy, even as a rookie, was one of the best players in the league. And he was getting tripped by things that I would skate right through. And I am not an NHL player by any stretch. But you can't just tap me on the shin pads and expect me to fall. Like it, Hockey players, compared to other skaters, are really solid on their feet. That's a thing. They're supposed to be hard to push over. And Crosby would just dive all the time. He's so lame. So <laughs> lame. He's. But he, he almost had like a special kind of immunity there for a while, as the NHL does. Like when you're the poster child for the mm-hmm. NHL, like he was for still is to an extent but for like five years there he was the only guy who they would bring out for all the Reebok commercials everything like even the refs knew that like a trip that they would definitely call from him or from like Wayne Simmons on someone they wouldn't call on Crosby because they want all those bandwagon Pittsburgh fans to stay active and viewing like you're you're totally right and that's just true there's no denying that now what I'm less educated on is I'm I think in basketball Jordan would get away with traveling a lot. You know, they're like, look at him. He just, he achieved a low earth orbit across the paint. No, he touched yeah. the ground. He, he took an extra step, you know? And, and I feel like with Jordan, he got away with traveling in a way that other people didn't. But mm-hmm. that's what My I heard. My understanding now, and I only watch basketball highlights every once in a while, is that... <clears throat> I don't even know if my understanding of traveling is right anymore because of all the highlights I'm watching. And it seems like a bunch of tall guys are just running on the court willy nilly, <laughs> just dribbling it whenever they see fit and just I, dunking on like five steps. Dude, I've played with people and, you know, like it, I'll be like, I think that was traveling because it was like two steps and then a plant and a jump. And I'm like, it. It seems like it's been 18 feet since he's dribbled it all. Like, you know, he just took like two yeah, giant. want to be the guy who calls up. <laughs> oh, you're breaking up on me. But, um, oh, sorry. Yeah, he, it's probably, uh, it could be my fault. I don't know. But, um, yeah, he, he, like I play with people. They just take, take giant steps and then double bounce with their feet. And I talk to people who know basketball better than me. They're like, no, that was okay. And I'm like, 
Is it really? Am I just not taking all the steps I'm entitled to? I thought when you stop driveling, you got like a step and a half or something like that. And and these guys seem to be taking two. Is there a special rule if you jump with both feet afterwards? I don't uh, know. Just how much money you make and how much they want you to be on TV. <laughs> so, like, that's got to Dude, all right. I don't know. Uh, so, so, uh, Revenant. The Revenant. Which magic? I, I never found out which magic deck oh, no, no, to no, get. No. Go ahead with the magic thing. Yeah, I never I never figured out which magic deck to get. You don't have to get a... Uh, see... You don't get any of the them. The advice I would give you for real is if you want to get into it, buy a booster box. So then you actually yeah. build up your collection. You've got 36 booster packs of like 11 cards each or so. A That's 36 box. rares. I'm telling them. How oh, to get now into we're it. talking. Let's You're asking for method advice. Don't even start, Kyle. Booster box. Magic. <laughs> the Magic the booster box. If you just want an easy. It's only 100 bucks. Yeah. Let's make this happen. Yeah. What, 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 what's this Battle of, of Zendikar here? Is that uh, just. Don't is that Battle just... Zendikar. Let mm, me look no. up. No, 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 no. It, it, what it was... about Cons of Tarkar? That's the one. Oh, don't get Cons of Tarkar. No, here. Don't, don't listen uh, to Merkin. What the hell does he know? Dragons of Tarkar? Oh, I didn't know they had Dragons of Tarkar. Of the Gatewatch? Oh, the gate watch. You don't want that. It's boring. But 99% of the don't... time, nothing happens. Gathering gate What's crush? The one we got? Gate, watch. gate watch. There's two gate watches. Gate There's watch. a 2016. Both of the gate here's, here's one here that says 2016 origin set booster box. Mm, Got to go old school. Packs you gotta go old school back before they balanced well. Do they have Oath of the Gate Watch? They do. Yeah, check for That's a, the one. What he knows what he's talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> here it is, right here. Sit and pass it off. <laughs> yeah. So Oath of the Gate Watch. That's the the newest one. So how many of those do I need to buy? How do many booster start? boxes? Yeah. Do I need like how many? I mean, do you, do you start it with there five are, or hundred? Z would recommend just getting one. hundred dollars. So ten? I, I, so, I <laughs> thousand seems excessive. Jesus Christ! I say get one of those. Am I going to be able to throw down with the local kids at the Magic the Gathering stomping ground and like really compete though if I if I only get one? Because part of being good at magic is having a lot of money and seeing as no. how your net worth is a lot higher than the average fifteen year old, you're gonna go in there and dominate if you want to. Yeah. You know what you, you should I like this. Pay to win in, pay to win in real life. I like this. This pay is great. In real life. I all the best magic cards to that set. Go in just kind of saying like, oh, you know, I'm kind of new to the game. Put all your cards down and shuffle them harshly without sleeves. It'll irritate people to no end as you're damaging <laughs> valuable cards that to you are just worth nothing. Just I'm just here to play and then win, not out of skill or knowledge or game rules or anything valid, just out of money. Just, oh, what do you know? I pulled another $7 card. Is, like it. is there a way that, like, after I, after I play a card, does it have to remain on the board? Because I think it would be funny if every time I played a card, I tore it in half. No, like, what you should and, every, and I was like, I only use a card once. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I like that. You're impressed by this? You're impressed by the four-eyed Bulbasaur? I've got fifty of these. Just, just fucking. Yeah. Or if you lose, just take like your six hundred dollar deck and be like, "All right, go to the bathroom. This is going right down the toilet," and just come flush it down. All right. Uh, well, now yeah, we know where to start. Box of right. those, and if you want me to come on like a Skype call with you when you're opening them, okay, so I can help you build the deck, that. you let me know. I think you should film it as an unboxing, but not know shit about not it. Shit. So just just react, <laughs> just react to how pretty they are. Like, ooh, yeah, six flowers. What is this flowers bullshit? Like, throw it away. Meanwhile, it could be something amazing. I don't know. 
yeah. And then, yeah, like, look at this guy. He's got giant muscles. That's a keeper. <laughs> yeah, it's just like six <laughs> cent there. Six cent comedy. <laughs> that, would be, that would be pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I could see you actually getting into it, Kyle, because you've got I, the kind of strategic analytical mind that once you, you try it, I think you'll like it. Where just like Civ, you want to beat people and outsmart them, uh, like kind of let them form their strategy, but you circumvent it. My next question is this. Is there any way to play people online with my, with my deck that, I, that is like a real-life deck that I hold in my hands? Because I don't actually want to go out into the real world and have people see me, you know, playing Magic ever. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, not online. Like, you, you have to buy Skype online chat? cards for the online game, which is a... Scan my cards in and, and have a virtual representation of them online. Like, they should have serial, they should be serialized so that, like, I can put them in and, like, my online magic profile shares the cards with my real one. And why don't they, they do that? They could make more money by having two worlds real life and. One world. Make they, a make they already do that, not with putting your serial number for the card in, just. A lot of people who don't have anyone to play with in real life, all they do is buy cards and they have an online collection, which is, it's way cheaper than having a real life collection, but at the end of the day, if you have a real collection, you have physical cards and not just some something in the ether that you're hoping doesn't get deleted for some nonsense reason. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, if you want to try online, <laughs> supposed to check the gathering 15 or 16 and just play against the computer a bit. Actual cardboard, which is tangible and has value. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does have value. It's, it does. Actually. It does. It's definitely I, I, better than Beanie Babies. And, I mean, and, in this modern world of people selling Counter Strike knives for real fucking money, uh, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars. At this point, you just got. It's not like Beanie Babies anymore. It, you just got to shrug and be like, "Yeah, I guess your magic card's worth a lot of money." I agree. Really, I agree. I'm one of my friends I, who's I've super. Got a, oh, I ahead, bought and sold enough baseball cards to get my first motorcycle, so I. I feel like, you know, like what's happening with Magic now, I did in the 90s. And I think they're very parallel. You know, what was like, your most valuable card? I had a Maguire rookie card that ah, was worth something. You know, something. that was in my head. I, I, for some reason, I was... Um, I, I had a... Uh, who's the guy? He got like a consecutive game hit record or something. Like Paul Molitor, maybe? Um, I, I forget. I, I, I don't know if he broke the record, but he was like in the midst of it. He had like 50... He had a hit in like 50 games in a row. And I was like, I'm selling this card now because it was just skyrocketing. And I unloaded that and, um, you know, my timing was right on it. If you can't even remember him, chances are you had great timing for that sale. <laughs> yeah, I think his name was Paul Molitor. Um, I, had, I, had, I did a good job, although I wasn't really skilled. I, I, like I, I watched a video. Um, Optic Big Timer was explaining his 2014. And it was super interesting to me. He made a lot of money in the stock market and he didn't understand stocks very well. And he would go to websites to get advice. And he's like, I now know that those websites are full of people who are kind of scamming or like what they call pump and dumping, like trying to create excitement around a stock so that they can sell it at a high. And um, in spite of being new to stocks, he just kind of, you know, rode the momentum at the right places. I feel like he wasn't playing stocks as much as he was understanding where excitement was. And he made a lot of money. I think he made over a million dollars. And wow. uh, um, I did something similar on a much smaller scale. I probably made $2,000 with baseball cards. I just sort of knew who had the excitement, which things were people were jazzed about, which 
I'd buy complete decks a lot and you know which ones people were excited about and then I wanted the motorcycle and I just emptied my collection uh, for a good profit yeah one of my friends who uh who did pretty much the exact opposite thing we all finished college he got a very well high-paying job somewhere and after his first year he still had this old Hyundai and he just decided he was going to spend like $15,000 on the Power 9, which is what they call like the top nine rarest magic cards out there, including the one we just saw, Black Lotus, the rarest. And so he spent like fifteen grand on these nine cards that he now keeps in like a fireproof safe next to his <laughs> tens of thousands of other cards. He's probably got forty dollars or $50,000 in magic cards that he, he has no interest in selling. Like he'll show me, he'll be like, oh. I just pulled this $120 card. It's so great. Like, it won't be worth that much in two months when it rotates out of uh, standard play, but whatever. I'm like, are you going to sell it, man? He's like, no, no, no. This is for me. This is for me. Like, I'm, I'm keeping this. <laughs> I, I had a friend who had baseball cards like that. He had a, um, I'm trying to describe how big his closet was. It was a little bigger than a normal closet, like a small walk in, call it that. And uh, his shelves from foot to eight feet tall were covered with baseball cards like library books or something just complete decks wax a wax pack is the um it looks like these are what would be called wax packs where you you open it and sometimes there's gum inside and there's like 18 cards or something like mm -hmm. that he would have terrible boxes uh, yeah it was he had boxes of the wax packs right so at, like you know at the store like the little display he'd have the whole like you know a bundle of whatever 100 wax packs and boxes and boxes of those 100 bundles he must have had like 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 your friend fifty thousand, eighty thousand dollars in baseball cards and uh as a teenager he's like yeah i figure i'll sell them all and get a down payment on my house i wonder what happened to them Base probably ended up keeping them i remember i only collected hockey cards growing up uh, like aside from Pokemon cards, but hockey cards I had, and I remember having a. Maybe you remember this. They would have like the card, and then in the bottom center of it, there would be like a tiny sliver cut out of the player's jersey, like a real game worn jersey. And hmm. so it would be the size of a card, but there'd be a tiny little patch of their game worn jersey in there. And I still remember at the age of like thirteen, probably eleven to thirteen, getting a Jose Theodore card with a little snippet of his jersey and just thinking in my head like this is gonna be worth something like this is this is so rare and worthwhile and it ends up that uh i lost it and it's worth nothing regardless but <laughs> you know the, the excitement that you feel is is what's worth it mm -hmm. yeah, i don't I know like whatever happened to baseball cards like i i want yeah. i know that they really tanked like had a bear market sometime in like the 2000s but i don't know where they are now mm-hmm but yeah, you should definitely get that then, Kyle, and let me see what you open up. You definitely shouldn't, and the whole idea is silly. <laughs> <laughs> just, just think of the looks on those kids' faces when I when I show them to slam those cards in their face. It's going to be great, Woody. It's totally worth $100. Well, oh. you have to promise me that we will try playing when we get together. That was we'll that, that, That's the only reason I'd buy the cards. I'd like to play. Okay. Yeah. I think you'll be good at it, much better than you think, as long as you don't take that route that a lot of people do with Magic, where they see themselves kind of enjoying it when they didn't, and they think they're enjoying it a bit too much, and then they go way to the other side of like, oh, well, this is just fucking stupid, like, I'm not getting into this, and they just don't want to admit to themselves that they have fun with it, because yeah. it is a really nerdy, embarrassing thing to care a lot about. I can tell. It looks like yeah. it. What do you mm -hmm. want to talk about next? Revenant. 
All right. So, mm-hmm. so you watched it recently. Like... What were your thoughts on it? I really liked it. Melissa and I went to go see it in one of those uh, sit-down-and-eat theaters, and it was... Maybe it's the fact that I was very comfortable watching it, that the length of it was bearable. But uh, really, I I don't really have any complaints. Tell I thought it was great. If you I even liked with the bear scene. The bear scene was very good. Um, I, and I think I, I, I've always given the bear scene a lot of credit. It, it I don't I don't know exactly how they pulled that off. It, it, it appears that DiCaprio was in a lot of danger for that bear scene. I don't know what the yeah. fuck. It was amazing. Like, it's ripping his clothes and you see the rips. He it, it grabs was, it, was... he picks him up by the back and stuff. And, and I'm just like, I don't even, I don't, was there a bear involved in that scene? No. Not no, at all. Well, this, so. something cool happened there. So yeah. th- that, that was really good. Um, but Chiz disagrees with this criticism. I think that the plot was really simple. He says, no, Woody, you can take any movie and simplify the plot. Like, oh, what was Star Wars about? It's about some kid that's mad at his dad. That's you know, like, no, there's a lot no, happening. It's, it's the chosen one story. It's, that's what it is. It's, they, they do it over and over. There's only like five or six original stories. I don't think it was too simple. I, you know, it's a revenge story. He's crawling, trying to get to a place. It's point A to point B. Um, all right. So I, so I took some notes here of some of my thoughts that I, that I wanted to remember. Um, so I thought it was action-packed the whole way through. Um, I thought I didn't think it ever got that slow to me. There was always something going on. It started out with a big battle. There were, uh, I don't know, like 20 people killed in the initial battle between the Indians and the fur trappers. That was um, a great and, scene. And then to, you watched him once he was injured kind of, kind of slowly creep his way up from just a crawling worm to you know, a, a guy who can walk around. He started out, his first meal was breaking old rotten bones apart and eating the marrow. Then he like ate some grass. Then he uh, he built a fish fish trap and ate the fish. He stumbled upon a carcass of, of a bison that some wolves had killed, and he ate the liver. And he's actually eating a bison liver in that scene. That's a real bison liver that he's eating right there. That um, doesn't add to it though, because I read that to too. It was like, can you believe that was a real liver? Well, well it's not. Someone it's, it in the prop department failed because he didn't well, need to do that. He, he it, so it wasn't about that. So it, it wasn't like he was just like, yeah, let's do it for real. Eating the liver is, is like a ceremonial thing with the with the Native American tribe that he was, you know, he learned their language. He's he he, he learned it, it meant a lot to him. He got into the role a lot. Um, the, on his journey, he did a ton of shit. So he saves a hostage. He jumps a horse off a fucking cliff. Uh, he made fire with Flynn. I thought that was cool the way he did it. Um, he swims through those rapids to escape from the Indians. Uh, they have that emergency shelter they build in the uh, in the forest in the in the blowing snow. I thought that was fucking cool. Uh, he made friends friends with that Pawnee Indian. Uh, that guy was awesome. Oh, I um, liked that. I, that was the saddest part of the whole movie for me. Was that really nice Indian who just gave him some meat, helped him out. They were riding along, catching snowflakes on their tongue. Yeah. And then the next morning, he wakes up and he just sees. I mean, spoilers. It's been long enough now. If I've seen it, you yeah. guys should see it. Where. He's just dead, hanging there, and he's got that like French sign of, you know, les savages du douchebag or whatever they wrote yeah. on him. They they fucking uh, lynch his friend. He has three out of body experiences on his journey, where he goes to like another plane and like communes with like his dead wife and stuff, and it's all it's really trippy, and he's floating, uh, having like an out of body experience. There's a castration, a rape. He guts his dead horse and crawls inside for warmth, like he's fucking uh, uh, like a star. For the like mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker uh, t- uh, tearing that tauntaun. Tauntaun, yes. Yeah. Um, what I was impressed with it, um, technically speaking, 
there were these long, long shots without cuts, and the camera seemed to move in ways that weren't conventional. It moved around a lot, and that made me start thinking, ah, is this CGI? Are those not real horses? Are those not real people? And so I did some uh, research into it, and the guy who's doing the cinematography is this Emmanuel uh, Lubezki guy. And I started looking into... French, like, maybe. His, he has an accent, right? I wouldn't know. And I started looking into like his um, like pedigree, like the films he's done the last few years. He did Gravity and, and Birdman, for which he won Oscars the last two years in a row. And before that, he did Children of Men and the Tree of Life. And I really like Children of Men. Um, I thought that the long shots were really cool. I like that in movies anyway. But I'd never seen a long shot where... Usually these long shots, you kind of follow the character maybe down some corridors or... Uh, out through a street or something and you're like wow how'd they do that that's really technically cool but in these sometimes the camera would be it seemed like handheld it seemed like a handheld guy who's running backwards in front of uh, you're, you're breaking up right now oh uh, you're lost your audio oh you can't hear me either oh good oh, okay. I, i'll tell you that guy's known for fake long shots um, which in itself is kind of a skill. I, I fake long shot sounded like a dig, but I know in Birdman, like there's this one particular long shot that he got a lot of credit for that um, when you look at it a little closer, you realize it was actually like four shots. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it just, the camera's so shaky and stuff, you get like up close to someone and for a frame it was black. And then mm-hmm. he'd just pick it up from there. Going yeah, they forward. do that bullshit where like the camera's here and the character's walking up. And like the camera almost like meets with their clothes for a second, and there's just like a quick like black screen, and then it just pretends that it continues. Mm-hmm. This wasn't the case in the shot that I saw, though. I really like the uh, the one of the opening shots where um, Leonardo is hearing the gun battle going on, that his fellow trappers are being attacked by the Re, and he's running into the battle. He's running into the fight, and he's like taking on two or three guys all hand to hat hand, and then he's he's on the receiving it. This guy's just choking him to death. And it stays with him the whole time. And then it sort of pans around him. And, and as he jumps on a horse, it actually, that's a different battle I'm thinking of. There's, there's two mm-hmm. of those shots like that where there are long battle shots and it follows him. But the, the one I really was impressed with, at some point, and he jumps on a horse and starts riding. And the camera stays with him the whole time. So that means that there was some kind of rig that was, they were filming him standing. Was that the and, one after the French camp? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah when, he gets, I'm just when saying, the Indians come All along. you need is like one frame, one frame where the actor's like not in there. And now you have a still shot you can pick up from. And uh, I didn't pick it up in The Birdman. And to, like, <laughs> as much as people like to fuss about my movies, I'm actually not a skilled movie critic or anything, but I'm into movies. I'm into videography. And... Um, you know, when directors do these round tables and stuff, even if they're an hour long, I'm apt to like watch them and talk about their future. None of the other directors seem to think Tarantino's going to stop after 10 films. Like I thought that was interesting. And he's like, yeah, I'm just making 10 films and then I retire. And they're all like, oh yeah, right. You know, like they, they don't believe it for a second. Um, anyway, this guy, uh, he fakes a lot of long shots and I had no idea they were fake until like I've watched YouTube videos on how he does it. So it's great. Um, I really liked uh, gravity. I remember watching gravity and I watched it in 3d, which was a complete experience. Like that was, that was like an amusement ride. It was, it was Mm -hmm. remarkable in 3d. And I just remember that when, as that camera would rotate around it, they they were using, it was really groundbreaking stuff. No, no other film had done that stuff. Um, And I've seen a video about how they filmed it. But it, I'd need to watch the video and refresh myself to even remember how that camera rig worked. 
you know, you've got the actors on a on a rig, they're moving around and the camera's moving around as well. It's it's remarkable. So you know, the opposite you know what, of this I'm sorry, Taylor. I watched some stabilized footage of the Star Trek. You know in Star Trek? <laughs> it was on Reddit, so maybe you saw it too. But every time on Star Trek, like the they're going through a bumpy space or there's engine trouble or maybe they're yeah, the in a battle. Yeah, the inertial dampeners aren't working. Yeah, they, right, right. So they're all like holding something and doing this and bouncing around. And then they shake the cameras. And when you put it all together, it looks stupid, but not as stupid <laughs> as, as when somebody takes stabilizes. it and stabilizes it. So they take out this camera shake and you just see a bunch of idiots like, shaking around and, around and they're not like doing it in sync like you know if the ship did a thing all of us in sync would be like whoa right that's not it at all they're just like bouncing together apart <laughs> it's you know like this, this it it's it's so lame stabilized that it's funny yeah um With i'm looking the, for the Oscars. like i really i don't know i went into it just not expecting as much because of the opinions i've read but the only time where I was like, all right, fucking come on. This is ridiculous. Uh, and I did get back into the movie after it, is when he jumped off the cliff with that horse. And it was just that, plus the fact that he'd been, like, beaten to death three times in the previous week. <laughs> that I'm like, there's just, there's just no way. Like, his body's just going to hit something that's slightly too hard and just explode like a zit that's overdue. Like, there's just no way. Uh, and then he just, you know, cuts open the horse, and Melissa noticed that, because, uh, like, we've seen, like, I'm sure you guys have seen deer, when you cut them open on the field and you're skinning it and whatnot, there's a fuck ton of blood. Like, there, there's a lot of blood. You usually do it going downhill so that it all flows downhill, and it's not just, you know, a dead carcass full of pooling blood as you're cutting it open. And when he got into that deer, it was just, like, driven white snow right in front of the deer, where it's like, all right, you just cut a whole horse open sorry horse not deer and there's no blood around it which was a little mm. thing that i noticed mm. not a huge deal but yeah he did so survive i way feel too like much. i knew enough about like horse anatomy like like in my head i was like well maybe it's gut soaked up all maybe he's being careful not to perforate the organs i don't know i didn't really think about that so, the fact that he was doing it at all i was just like whoa he's gonna crawl in like luke but <laughs> nobody <laughs> thought the plot was too simple i'm the only one who felt like like a th for a three-hour movie, there were not enough twists and turns, and it, I, it's it not a, that it was t too simple of a plot. It's like they kept it going by having a constant barrier in front of him, not just like down the road of like I got to work to get past that, you know, upcoming tribulation. More just like oh, all right, and shit went off the rails again. Oh, and it, it, everything's fucked up. Oh, and it's not working. Like it was just a constant barrage of problems to the point that you couldn't even really realize how simple the plot is. I, I don't think it's that simple. Like, like, all right, take Die Hard, you know? He's in the building the whole time. He's in, a, he's, in a, he's, in a, he's in a building. The whole thing is just trying to get his wife away from Hans Gruber. You know, that, that's all it is. He's just trying to get to the ninth floor and get his wife. Uh, uh, he's in Yakutomi yeah. Plaza the whole time. You know, you could say that's really simple, yeah, it's but along the way, all kinds of hardcore shit happens to him. He has to run through the glass barefooted. He's got to jump with that fire hose off the side and then swing in through while that blonde-headed fuck is shooting at him with an og. He got so excited about it, he passed out. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, but it's very simple. I hear where you're coming from, and I, I, I guess I was just trying to bounce that. But maybe I watched it in the wrong mood or something, and, no, and, and you know, Empire Strikes Back would have sucked to me that night. I don't know. But to me, as I watched it, I just felt like, you know, 
one man's walk through the woods you know like it you know what it, i watched that i hated recently because huh. that the new bond the new specter movie oh wow. really? I, I waited until because you know when it's on demand you can either for the first like six weeks you have to buy it for 20 bucks and i'm not doing that bullshit so i waited till it was like a five dollar rental and watched it a couple nights ago and i really didn't like it uh they mm. tried to make all the previous daniel craig bonds fit into this one big thing where like you know all of his past enemies have been part of this overall you know bigger overreaching uh bad guy um and, and they try to tie it all together and i was just left not really caring um it's got christoph waltz in it um you know the 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 jew hunter um you know the guy from the german guy from django he's he's in there he's the bad guy but I, I just didn't. didn't I haven't liked a Bond movie since Daniel Craig took over. Casino Royale was sick. Casino Royale. In Casino Royale. Is that the when, reboot? Yeah. That was the first one he made, I think. Yes, it is. It's, so there's this part where he's at, the, he's at the place where they're playing poker. And it's the big poker game to get all the money from the terrorists or whatever. And he gets attacked by two men in a stairwell. And I think there's at least one edged weapon. A machete or a blade or something. And when that fight's over, both of them are dead, of course, because he's James Bond. But if Sean Connery had been in that stairwell, he'd have just kind of... He'd have fucked him, too. He'd have, <laughs> it'd have been really nonchalant. He'd have, like, you know, judo-chopped one and, like, got the other in some silly headlock and gave him a noogie and threw him out a window and made a quip. But at the end of this, Daniel Craig looks completely physically exhausted. He's pouring sweat, and it's not, like, sweat from, from like, uh, exertion. It's a cold sweat because he's got these stab wounds and this slash in his ribs, and he's all he looks he looks terrible as he limps back to his room and like like shoots uh, scotch and pours alcohol on the wounds and he's trying to get clean and he's just fucked and I liked that it felt real. That is quite a bit better than like the Sean Connery version where like a guy goes to chop him, he grabs the wrist, turns it to the side, the guy's just crippled. Ah! pain from his wrist slightly adjacent to his body <laughs> i guess and then he doesn't even like chop him to the neck he just kind of like Ugh, just like palms him right in the forehead and the guy's done like Dude, that no. kind of shit like if you go back and watch like goldfinger it's almost hard where it's like yeah. oh, what the fuck is happening what's, you know, they've what's admitted, going on they've admitted that austin powers was the reason that the new bonds went in a different direction that they felt like they couldn't do that cheesy judo chop you know silliness anymore that they had to be more real more visceral more gr more grounded more rooted in a real world that you could believe in because austin powers we was so effective at lampooning that style that they had used for 20 or 30 films or whatever the john stewart effect right i know brian williams and fox news they've all been like dude 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 if we go in this direction John Stewart's going to talk about us. <laughs> <laughs> and that, yeah. Um, Have you guys seen Deadpool yet? Kyle I'm, has. I meant, Please don't no, ruin it for I didn't, I didn't make it. I, I, oh, I wait. I go. thought I saw you right in the group chat. Was that Taylor who yeah, said he was disappointed? He said that he watched it and he was disappointed. Or he thought it was a, chick a bit of a chick flick. A little bit. Yeah. So you didn't end up going to see it? Uh-uh. Something came up. Couldn't go. It's still, and I won't spoil anything. It's an entertaining movie, but... It's almost like a double cross because when, because Melissa and I were both talking about this, when you see the billboard where it's like, oh, Deadpool for Valentine's Day, you know, you look at that and you think, oh, they're giving me a way to trick a girl into coming to this guy's movie with me and she'll have to come and watch this movie that I really want to see. No, no, that was an honest advertisement for the movie. 
It was a reverse double cross to trick me into thinking that it was a guy movie, but really it was exactly what they were portraying. It's a movie for women with women pandering jokes and one-liners, and it's it's totally a movie geared towards women that all the guys got tricked into going to see. Well, I, I got to see it to get, to form my own opinion, but that's funny if that's true and it's interesting. Yeah. I did see it broke the uh, the opening weekend record for an R-rated film, period. It beat mm-hmm. The Matrix. I think it was The Matrix Reloaded. It uh, beat its previous record. Uh, something like, I don't know, 80, 90 million is, is kind of where stuff goes when it does really well if it's R-rated. And this mm-hmm. shit made like 130, I think, is the number. So the question but, is, what will Hollywood learn from this, right? Is uh, they already that... learned something. The next Wolverine's no. R-rated. They already, they just announced. Is it that R-rated superhero movies are good? Or is Deadpool somehow its own movie? It, it, like, I don't know. I think know. they're going to see it as its own movie and kind of also see like, well, of course, they had their finger right on the pulse of the Valentine's Day button. And so obviously a ton of people went to see it that weekend. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, right? They're like, oh, this movie's so great because it's not afraid to be fun and laugh at itself. And then Ant-Man comes out. Also, not afraid to be fun and laugh at itself, but Ant-Man was not nearly as... You know. I, heard, uh, I heard this guy on... I, I read that Reddit post that you, that you read, but uh-huh. I also read this guy. Um, he, was, he was describing... The, he, was, he seemed like a Marvel apologist, I think. He, he, was, he was saying that, like... He was like, Guardians of the Galaxy is your Marvel space opera, okay? And Ant-Man, that's your heist movie. And I'm like, what do you mean that's my heist movie? That's my superhero fucking movie. Ant-Man's, a, that was not a good movie. I watched that on a, on a plane. And you know, sometimes if you watch a movie on a plane, you're landing and there's still 30 minutes to go. I was so glad the plane was landing. I was like, fuck, thank God I don't have to see how this ends. I still don't know how it ends, but I figure he kicked the Yellow Jacket's ass, right? That's he did, what he happened. Won. Yeah, he yeah did. it turns out Ant-Man nails in that movie. I didn't think he was going to win. <sighs> you know, see, half an hour close. left, I was thinking, oh my God, he is in over his head. There's no way. <laughs> I don't think we ever... Ant-Man 2. We never discussed hmm. Ant-Man. I think that was le- that was like right in the middle of that Texas trip for me, and I think I came back and just yeah, I forgot that I watched it on the plane, but man, I, that, that really underwhelmed me. Um, I didn't like it a lot, and if they make many more of those, then their whole little uh, uh, thing is going to crumble, I feel like. That was bad. I, I, that was bad. Uh, you know I what I want you to be on the lookout when you watch Deadpool is try and find a line of genuine dialogue between any two characters that is not a one-liner. Or a pop culture reference. Try and find any one. The entire movie. No one talks the way that people talk to each other in real life. There's not a single genuine conversation. It's all just like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking Ryan Reynolds with my love interest. Oh, yeah, you're looking pretty hot in that underwear today. Oh, well, wouldn't you know, you you dumb fuck. Oh, I wish I did. Let's go bang. Where it's like, oh, my God, gross. Like, come on. Act a little bit real like people would. I, I... Like I, I didn't read the comic or any comics. I, I you know I've read some stuff on. I guess I've read comics online. That counts, right? On like imager comics or whatever. But um, I guess I think that's part of his thing is breaking the fourth wall and being obnoxious like that. I I think they tried to. I think that the real Deadpool fans are loving it from what I've read. Um, and the question is if I'm a real Deadpool fan. So we'll see. The first twenty minutes are probably maybe even twenty five minutes are exceptional. I was really, really to it. Yeah, ton of action. Uh, But then it just kind of, it falls. It's just an entire movie of a guy pining over his girlfriend. I was excited to read today that the next Wolverine was going to be R. 
Um, because I feel like Wolverine is a character that needs to be R. He, he's, I mean, it's he's not like you can't uh, you can't put kit gloves on 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 him. He's not a he's not yeah, like Magneto I... who will huh who who will <laughs> no you can't. That's funny. He's not like Magneto who who you can like be like oh yeah kids he's just picking his enemies up and throwing them. He's not Xavier who can be like oh yeah kids he's just gonna get in their minds and make them nice again. Um, he can't even throw explosive cards and just send his enemies flying. He has to rip them a fucking part because he's got six giant uh, adamantium blades coming out of his hands. That's what he does. That and takes so much goddamn damage that it's awesome to even watch. To watch him get dissolved in acid or get his eyes burned out or take a bullet to the fucking head. So he needs to be taking an R-rated level of damage and he needs to be dishing out an R-rated level of damage. So I'm glad to see that. Uh, there's been way too many... Uh, uh, Wolverine movies. God, they have, uh, it's it's shocking. He's done it like ten times or something. Um, that I remember when the first X Men movie came out, and I was real excited because I was a big fan of the um, the cartoon growing up. But they've put a ton of those out. Seems like too many. I want to see different yeah. comic book heroes, but not Ant Man. I, I it didn't feel like we were scraping the bottom of the bucket so. So uh, so much so that we needed to go to Ant Man. I, I, I think Guardians of the Galaxy was just as big a scrape. Mm, you're, that's a good point. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it definitely was. I didn't know any of those characters before any of them, and I knew yeah. Ant Man before. But that was a rare home run, I think. Wow, it was great. It, it, there was so much that was great about that. Um, I'm 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 glad they're shooting the next one in 8K or whatever because I, I feel like that 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 movie's so colorful and like ridiculous that. If something's gonna, if you want something to look really, really good, it's that. Um, and the CGI was really good in that. Um, that Bautista guy, the professional wrestler who played the giant hulking guy, did a wonderful job. Mm -hmm. You know, he, that's, he's not an actor. Uh, I guess he is now. I thought it was and, a good movie. To me, it was a like a B plus, A minus. Um, the world seemed to treat it like an A plus, like an instant classic. I felt eight months an A plus. I liked it. I was Wait, A minus on that one. I, I felt like it was definitely top tier, but um, it wasn't Iron Man one. Right, yeah. Iron Man 1, Which Avengers 1. Iron Man was uh, the one where the Mexican guy just had, like, electric cords on his Two. arms. That's not that's... a Mexican guy. That's a that's the Russian guy played by Mickey Rourke. That was uh, that movie was horrific. I would Pretty rather rewatch the abortion propaganda video they made me watch in 10th grade <laughs> than rewatch Iron Man 2. And <laughs> that full movie run they showed us was just about 40 minutes of just little dead baby hands. Just Shit. strewn about offices so, as if the, doc, like, the abortion doctors just reaching in there with their hands and pulling them out piece by piece, which I guess they're doing, but not with their hands, with a vacuum, like, right? Got, like, like got the umbilical cord swinging the baby, aiming for the dumpster, like lassoing it around. Well, that's pretty awful. Yeah, um, I, I thought Guardians was, was great. Um, I really liked it, but, uh, but Ant-Man didn't do it for me. There was a lot about it. Like, like I watched the, uh, the cinema sins on it, like everything wrong with name a movie in X amount of time or less. I really like that series of videos and I felt like they eviscerated Ant-Man. Uh, not so much, not, not as badly as they did Fantastic Four though. If, you're, if you haven't seen Fantastic Four, um, well, there's, no, there's no reason to ever see it and I, and I mean that sincerely. You should watch the uh, Everything Wrong With It in 20 minutes or less or whatever they did because that gives you the whole movie. You get to watch the movie. You get to know the plot points in case they ever, ever integrate those characters with the rest of the Marvel group, even though they're Fox and bastardized and all that. But watching that, you, you quickly see that, wow, that was a shit movie. I'm glad I didn't see it. That's what I took away from that YouTube video anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it's fantastic for Yeah. Uh, did you guys see High Times? No, High Profits. 
High profits. I, if that's the one I'm thinking of, then I did watch at least part of it. Uh, yeah, it, it's like is a, that the one where they have? Uh, it's a new pot shop in uh, Breckenridge. God, maybe? what's the name of the city? Brecken, Breckenridge. Yeah, something close. And they to were that. like getting argued that they would have to go to a different street because they couldn't sell on Main Street because it was turning off the family vibes of uh, Breckenridge. It was interesting. You never Super think about how much it goes interesting. into it. I watched. I watched the whole thing, and um, so you've got this couple. And early on, oh, so what happened is there were three medical marijuana shops on Main Street, but only medical marijuana was legal. So it was really hard to stay in business. Two of them went out of business, leaving one left. And then recreational pot becomes legal and they kill it. They kill it. They're making like a million bucks a month. And uh, they start reinvesting big into their business. And now they want to grow their own pot. They want to have a second store uh, in another town. I forget where it was. Maybe Steamboat. That's Colorado. Yeah, yeah, maybe Steamboat. I forget. And um, she's like, you know, I'm like, it, it was neat to watch her have money for the first time. She, she went clothes shopping. And like, you know, you go clothes shopping and you're like, oh, this looks nice. But like $250 for a shirt? No. And she's like, I I can afford this. And she didn't even decide. She came with like a rack of clothes. I don't know how many clothes she bought. I'll call it a foot, right? Like a foot thick. A foot of clothes. She bought a foot of clothes. If you were to lay them down on the counter, that's how much she bought. She had a makeover, which to be honest, she was a pretty girl. Needed a makeover. There's something about her hair was... I don't know if it's the pot or whatever, but it. she had a I smoke pot. It's the pot, yeah. <laughs> she had the look about her, like this real stringy kind. She's a pretty a girl skunky. with blonde hair. It looked a little skunky. Like it. I feel like I'm some sort of pot hater, which is Don't not encourage him. He, he's fucking with you right now. <laughs> no, I said skunky because th that's the smell of weed, and she probably did smell skunky. Taylor, she... do, do you see the hair like I did, though? Did, did you see the episode? Did you get as deep into it as I'm talking about? I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was. Um, Have you seen? I didn't mind her spoiling herself, at least at that part in the oh, documentary. No, no, no. Like, she clearly deserved it at that point. She worked like, really hard. And, and kind of, uh, there were a lot of YouTube parallels to me, right? Especially in the early days. Like, how many people did YouTube when there was, like, no money in it? Um, you know, I'm not. It, her hair was I mean, very different on. than that guy's. I mean, that's luxurious. Like, yeah, like, yeah. If, if weed was going to affect your hair, like we'd we'd know it by now with that guy. But but yeah, that guy is, does not have her problem. Um, her her hair was just really thin, and maybe it's totally unrelated to. But I I saw it and it was like that looks like weed hair to me. But I'm crazy. So she got a makeover. She was spending a lot of money previously. And it was neat to see her enter a different tax bracket, you know, and and she kind of was experiencing it. I don't know. It was, you felt like you were on the ride along she with her. She has a her. few money kind of experience and they, and they go along, come along for the ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, then things start getting tough because the town doesn't want them there. And the town in some ways is wrong. Uh, Breckenridge is not a conservative old fogey town. They've always had a young kind of liberal vibe. Uh, lots of skiers and snowboarders, right? These are not people who are like all Mitt Romney's, you know, yeah. they're, they're young people and, and they like it. Uh, I think that maybe today they, they might see a little differently and be like, yeah, you know, having good pot shops is a draw for tourism. <clears throat> and I, not the I do understand their concern though, with what they were saying. Cause at first I was totally like 
agreeing with what you're saying where it's like, yeah, why don't they just have a fucking pot shop there? Like, let it stay on Main Street. Let that be their draw. And then when one of the council members was like, yeah, like, that is a big draw. A bunch of young people are coming here to smoke pot, but we're also looking for that family market. And if a family run by a mom and dad and a few little kids want to go skiing and they don't want to be exposed to that pot stuff, are they going to come to Breckenridge? Or are those families just going to fly out to Salt Lake City and then go to Park City in Utah and do all their skiing there? And they so had a point. I, I hadn't thought about it until then. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, that actually is a possibility. Like, and, and another thing is the family might have a lot more money. Like the dad that takes his whole family skiing maybe owns a small business or something like that. The snowboarder who goes there, there was a um, on the same street, Main Street, there was a guy who owned an art. He sold art. And he's like, I'm going to become a museum, right? If our clientele shifts to be like picture a snowboarder with dreadlocks, that guy, none of them are buying my art, right? That's just not a thing that's going to happen. And the Main Street, they carefully crafted it so that there was no like fast food on it and stuff like that. Like uh, as I'm talking to Taylor, yeah. it wasn't like, like pop was the only thing they were wafting out. into the scene. I don't know what that is, <laughs> <laughs> but um. Ignore that. Ignore, yeah, yeah. Ignore that instance. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so they, they had a bit of a point, but also I feel like you know, there's definitely a draw to, to be had there. It was it was pretty cool. Um, and uh, I, they were fighting to stay where they are. There were several votes. They won the votes, and then finally they lost a vote, and they got kicked off Main Street in the end. And they had no money. And that was really interesting, too. They're like, you're making a million dollars a month. She's got to be doing that on purpose with the smoke. She is now. <laughs> what, what, what is that? A tobacco products okay. of some sort? It's, her, uh, it's a tobacco product, yes. Mm, okay. So uh, uh, anyway, uh, they uh, – oh, oh. But they kept reinvesting. So she like literally was short on cash. Like she's at Target or something and wasn't sure there was enough money left in the bank to cover things. And um, – then they had to move off Main Street, and the show kind of ends. It was, I, yeah. It scared me about investing in pot because I I felt like they were representative of the industry. You know, not dumb, yeah. like ambitious young people, unskilled at running a business. You know, yeah. and uh, like after seeing those 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 dispensaries out there, I. It could be done better. It could be done so much better. So many different things could be done so much, so much better. Like there's uh, many of them don't have a lot of floor space. I feel like there's not enough room for more than four people to actually be in there shopping at once. Well, they can't a have lot a ton of capital available. It's like six potheads who start these things. The generally. grow rooms, right? You think the grow rooms are great, but we watched them. The guy failed his inspections like ten times, and as a guy who's done. Uh, you know, construction, like the stable in the house and whatever lately, that's not normal. You know, they, they come in, they're like, you can't hang four outlets for these grow lights off the same circuit. Like he's like, every one of these circuits has to have one less outlet on it. And I'm thinking, you dumb fuck. Like that's not a mistake that should have ever been made. Every electrician out there knows not to do what you just did. What is your problem? You know, what are you doing here? And um, I could, their HVAC was wrong. Everything was wrong. 
You know, they needed a bathroom. They didn't know they needed a bathroom. And they're like, all right, exactly what constitutes a bathroom? You need to be able to wash your hands. Do you have to have a toilet? Does there need to be a shower? Yeah. They're just like, what does it take to pass this bathroom inspection? Two coffee cans. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and and uh, But I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, dude, you were hoping to open today, right? You've been building this for four months. And four months into it, you fail your inspection and say, okay, exactly what is a bathroom? You know, does it need a door? Does it, you know, like, you know, is it just a urinal and a sink? Like, what's a bathroom? And um, I, I just feel like this is not a professional operation. Like anyone who had any kind of business head on his shoulders, the architect would have cleared this out at the start. You know, I, I've got drawings for my shop I aspire to build <clears throat> that's you know already permitted and stamped and load tested and whatever bullshit needs to happen i have better plans for my fucking backyard shop than these guys had for their business mm-hmm. and i suspect a lot of these penny stocks going for like 67 cents a share are run by people with this level of experience um well you could go look <clears throat> i mean like i feel like if you were serious about making a serious in- investment maybe like Let's go see what these people are about. Let's go see what H and M, you know, Weedtronics is. Let's see what this penny stock is. Is actually representative of. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it's five guys in a shack somewhere who are shitting in a coffee can, or maybe it's one guy who's really smart and has a great business plan but no capital. And and like, is the whole going public thing a way to pump and dump? Like that's a that's a marijuana thing. Um, there are people who are going to be mad at me for like bagging on the marijuana industry, but there is excitement around it. So they take their like business, which is really just like a thousand square foot room that grows pot on a, on a bunch of tables and make it go public. And now all of a sudden the thing's worth two and a half million dollars when it's nothing. It's never made any yeah. money. It, its whole purpose in the, in the first place was to just take money from your pocket and put it in mine. And I that, feel like there's such an opportunity there to make money, though. Like, like yes. not like that per se. There's so much but red like, tape. All right, so, so, so think about it this way. All right, right now, like if I mention soda, you think of Coke or Pepsi. If I mention coffee, you think of Folgers or or or, or, or Nescafe or whatever. There's not that for weed yet. Now there's celebrities who are jumping in, and that's a smart way thing to do. If you could get yourself a celebrity and build his pot business for him, mm-hmm. that's a, that's it. That's a way to make a lot of money. If you can go to is it Seth Rogen? Is that the guy I'm thinking of? Seth Seth Rogen would be a good one because Wiz Khalifa, Snoop Dogg, um, oh, a couple Snoop other um, Willie Nelson, they've all got their own shit. Is Snoop Dogg has his, doing that. Snoop Dogg has his own vape pen. Uh, it's called the G Pen, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm ninety percent sure that everything I just said is true. Um, but uh, but if you go to someone like Seth Rogen and be like, "Look, we want you to be the face of our brand, our strain, our pipes, our rolling trays, our our papers." There's going to be Seth Rogen everything, and you could <laughs> and you could just and like all you need to do, Seth, is sign here, and you get three hundred thousand dollars, and we start selling, and and you get this and that and this and that, and you. That would be the way to make a lot of money. But another way would be to establish your own brand, like become your become Marlboro, become Budweiser, get out there and make the best product uh, affordably, and and have a have a gold standard. What so, I had in my head is like, show me the four companies poised to become Anheuser Busch, right? And I will invest in the four or pick my favorite three or something, and see where that goes because it's in such an infancy. I'm pretty sure Anheuser Busch just bought Coors. So there aren't really any companies that can compete with them now. Well, I'm, I'm trying to say the Anheuser-Busch of pot. Oh, right? so just the big company. I bet Marlboro will get into it. 
Like I feel like it's not going to be a bunch of new companies once it's federally legal. I feel like it's going to be a few of those old huge companies like Camel or Marlboro who are going to start up and just skyrocket right off the bat, and then you'll have the small startup ones. I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't sound crazy to me. You know, I, yeah, that could be. I I don't I don't think the marijuana culture will will follow suit with that. I don't think they want that. I I don't think they'd be interested in that. I think they want to build their own brands and 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 uh, and it be it to be organic. I I think if you just plug in Marlboro Greens, you know, and and lay them right in there with like established products that they've been maybe will that they've been already establishing. Like I don't think it would perform as well. What if uh, they're a little cheaper and they get you high? You yeah, know, what like, if let's say you can buy a pack of of course they get yeah. marijuana. Well, I, it for, was my you know there's an ounce of it for ten bucks as opposed to the Seth Rogen you know crazy strain which has a picture of his face or like a you know click a button like a holiday card and it goes like uh huh uh huh uh huh and you still get the <laughs> well, weed like, what, but it's four times as much. What Nobody we have now it. and gosh I'm so outside my expertise but what we have now I think is like all the micro brews you know and. Yeah. It's no. it's better than that. It's better than that already. So like, there are established um, strains now that are brands. the the cookie uh, the Girl Scout cookies brand was was advertising on your on the last episode of PKA. They they're buying ad time against the phrase Strain Central. So because he was on our show, their ads rolling on your thing, um, and and that could that we saw that out in Colorado. That was a very popular brand. Everybody was talking about it. It was in all the stores. Um, it was just, you know, you heard, I heard it everywhere we went and in different dispensaries from friends we knew, um, they bought some, that's what they were smoking at, at some, at a lot of the time was Girl Scout cookies and, uh, like the THC slash CBD content is on there. It's really, uh, more medical than anything. You know, it's on there to the decimal point, like how potent the stuff you're getting is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that in the infancy of the business was probably a big deal. It was like, ah, am I even getting good stuff? How do I know if I'm getting good stuff? But I think they've passed that 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 period now. Oh, one thing that was fun in the um, High Profits, the television series I watched, the town council was discussing edibles and how stupid they fucking are. He's like one of the like the the um, the EMTs, right? The emergency medical technicians, maybe they yeah. were reporting to people who were too high a lot. Now they admitted that. Alcohol causes bigger problems. You know, when people go to this pot shop, they don't leave high, right? They get high at home or whatever. People are going to bars and stuff, and they now you have them, you have drunk people on Main Street. So they, maybe we kind of agreed alcohol was a bigger problem, but that pot was not a non-problem. And one of the problems they had was the damn cookies. Yeah, They're like no one, like you, you have to eat an eighth of a cookie. And these guys innovated. They're like, this is our rookie cookie. <laughs> and the rookie cookie is for people who want to eat a whole cookie <laughs> and don't know, you know, that they're not used to edibles. It's a little weaker. It's this and that. You can have a cookie. This is a dose. And I was like, yes, rookie cookie. That's a brilliant idea. And, fixed, and I think I'll, uh, just in 10 seconds, I think a lot of people might not be ashamed to self-identify as rookie to edibles and be like, yeah, I'll have a cookie. I'll do it. You so know. they fixed that as well now. Um, for one, um, you mentioned not getting high at the store. It is, it's illegal to smoke in public. Um, but, but also, like all of the edibles now are 10 milligrams, all of them. So whether it's a cookie this big or it's like a tiny little um, breath mint that's you know, the size of a pea, they're all the same. Uh, How much stuff. is 10 milligrams? Um, they, it's, um, it depends on your tolerance, but about like smoking a whole joint. Um, but then you eat it, so you feel it different, so you so experience it differently. Um, it's still a lot of pot. 
Yeah, I, I think it's meant to get you high and all, you know. Yeah, um, okay, I would hope so. When yeah, I but, say it'll um, get you high, I was doing the it'll get you drunk thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier, it gets like, you drunk. yeah, yeah. It was like, you know. There are people there eating. Um, I saw someone consume 80 milligrams and then smoke lots of dabs in one day, and he was fine. So, but there, oh, the, the EMTs were saying that some people were, they didn't use the word fooled, but like inexperienced enough to overdo it on edibles. Oh, yeah. And um, if I was a pot shop, I'd be like, you know what? We're going to educate the fuck out of our customers, you know, big signs, ask us questions. They have, um, they did that. There was a, did they? Yeah. So this thing, I, I imagine it happening around yeah, I, 2014, I, yeah, something like that. Um, and, and now they're, they're moving forward. So anyway, it was super interesting and you got to see what I thought were some mediocre businessmen, uh, running this, the pot shop, not awful. Mediocre means medium i think you know like it, it um but she's like you know i want to be the steve jobs of pot six months later she's like how can i get out of this business it's too stressful i'm done you know it'd be better for my she and her um it was her boyfriend but i think they were like mega serious like life partners just yeah you're know, not married and um she's like it's better for our relationship if he handles everything and um so that it didn't take long before she's going from I want to be Steve Jobs to I'd like to be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, a couple of yeah. months. Yeah, overall saw, good um, documentary. I saw built there were billboards out there about not eating too much, um, too many edibles or too much of edibles. Um, it was on all the products, you know, on there like warnings about it. Was something about like don't ruin your vacation or something, you know, don't ruin your good time. Um, and then at the uh, at the uh, dispensary, um, when when they were buying edibles, you know they they hey, do you know about edibles? Have you had edibles before? This is a lot of edibles you just bought. <laughs> you know, yeah. why do you need so many? <laughs> well, it's it's always going to be a problem with pot in that way. Like even once everybody's educated, because unlike like you, when you sell someone like a bottle of Bacardi one fifty one, you don't need to say like hey. Don't just turn this upside like a bottle of Sprite and drink ten ounces of this at once. But because I'm thirsty. If you try that, That's what like, I drink oh, when I'm geez, thirsty. This is yeah. This is horrific. This, I, I'm not gonna like somehow alcohol self-correcting in that way, right? You just yeah, yeah. <laughs> but with pot, it's like oh, I'm I'm eating a slightly bad tasting cookie. I'll have four more because it, now I'm high and I want more cookies. And like just, I didn't know I until know. you told me like I'll make it up two months ago. Edibles taste yucky-ish. There's like a hint of yuck. There, it, yeah, if someone handed you like a wonderfully professionally baked pot brownie and then just a wonderfully baked regular brownie and you had a bite of both, there would be no competition between which one you thought tasted no better. The because regular one. You'd be that's like, okay, me popping Quibble Cops balloon. <laughs> the <laughs> oh, whole yeah. thing about being I, involuntarily. They tell me that there are drugs in it and then I try. I, I ask, are there drugs? And they say yes, and so I have. And I, I end up high. <laughs> they drug me. You're like, that's that not... is the way we Danes are. Very <laughs> trusting in people. <laughs> that's not being drug, Quibble Cop. I think that's just taking drugs. <laughs> no, no. He tell, I ask him, I say, are there drugs in this cookie? And he says yes. And then I eat the cookie. <laughs> they did say so no in fairness. It was, so is this you. a pot cookie? And they're like, no. And he's like, all right then, not a pot cookie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as far as these things tasting bad, like, like it, it would depend how big of a thing you're eating. Like if you ate a pie, 
that was one dose, you probably wouldn't taste it. Because like most of the time with edibles, what, what you're eating is um, can of butter or can of oil, which is oil or butter that's been infused with the THC by cooking it down and all that stuff. But it's a really rancid kind of plant, weedy, awful, stinky taste. Um, mm. And if you put it in one of those little candies or a taffy or something, it's, it's still awful and rancid. Um, I'm sure there are edibles that taste good, like maybe one of those big coconut macaroon things that's 10 milligrams. Like, what about a pot lollipop? Yeah. I would imagine that would taste bad as well. Okay. The process for, for, for doing that is slightly different. I've read about it, though. What would you say, Taylor? Tincture? No, I said I, I, I've i never... You have way more experience with all of these edible like specialty things than me. I was saying I didn't think that a lollipop would taste bad because there's so much sugar in it that, like, it's just so... It's, it's a lollipop, so it's just sugar in pot, you know? Like, does I it know, taste... They didn't have any lollipops, but they were saying that the hard, they had, like, hard candies, and they, were, they weren't... Yeah, exactly. I think they, they look like Jolly Ranchers, and those tasted awful, apparently. Hmm. So that sounds like the same thing as a sucker. Yeah. Hmm. I'd like to try some of those yeah. crazy pot edibles, but how, I don't how know, at the same time, you, it's so bright. How far are you from Colorado if you drove? Uh, if I drove, I'm like 12 hours to Denver. Shit. Uh. I have to go across all of Nebraska or Kansas, you know, oh, dealer's so choice. And it's not much fun to go either of those. <laughs> hey, want to see corn or corn? Anybody? Yeah. Corn? It's just a like straight shot on 70 across the most boring landscape on the planet <laughs> to get there. Could be hmm. Idaho. I mean, is there anything new? Is there anything new with the knives, the PKA knives? I haven't asked in a while. So the the reason it's taken so long is you know they they went to sh they were at Shot Show when we were like, ver coming up with the idea or whatever that was mm -hmm. Shot Show week. So I think they had a lot of business before and after. But there was a six week uh, wait time just to get the knives, which is probably getting close to being done. I'll ask. Okay, yeah, that's one of our ideas that I'm most excited about. Like you know I want to be proud of the pro like the wings thing. No, I'm sorry, the hot sauce idea is good, but I feel like it's a novelty thing. It's not going to be hot sauce that you've like like nothing you've ever had before you know yes it will it, it's it's gonna be hot sauce that you like <laughs> that's what it should be stop, stop shitting on our product it'll be the best hot sauce you've ever had in God the multiverse no that um but i all right it's gonna be great hot sauce but i i yeah. and it's gonna be good hot sauce that we picked out yeah come on play it up let's go i i I guess maybe I just have a passion for the knife. Maybe that's what it is. You're catching my bias. I, I, I really want the knife thing to happen. I can't wait to have it. I want one in my pocket. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I wish I had it now. I wish I had had it today when I was doing a thing. So um, I just wonder where it is. And I want that one in particular. So that's, I was just asking about, you know, hey, when can I get it? And that's that. I think Kyle might have more of a passion for the hot sauce. Um, I, I'm excited about both. I, th I think the idea of just kind of merchandising and, and coming up with things that are uh, not just a random keychain to sell, but you know something that we that we're into. You know, you're into everyday carry stuff. I love the. I've always loved uh, you know the many ideas we'd come up with, brainstorming with Wings Redemption, from Fat Lincoln to uh, to the Wings Redemption hot sauce, all those things. I love them. I, I wrote a speech for Fat Lincoln one time. It was like four score <laughs> and three Call of Duties ago, Infinity <laughs> Ward. You know, it was great. 
But, you know, I had this whole thing for him to read. I wonder but, how Fat Lincoln would have turned out. It, it wouldn't I, have been funny at all. Just, just, just I let it go. I, I, I score and 7,000 calories ago. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I made a, um, a video. I've talked about it several times. It was on some Black Ops 1 map. And uh, I was doing, like, the Any Given Sunday speech, you know, did domination is a game of inches etc etc and i thought it was going to be a great video like a million view inspirational crazy thing and it was just pissed on and i watched it again more recently and i can see that the video did indeed suck that like i was too brainwashed to understand i was like oh i guess they just don't like new things and then i watched it and it was like no they don't like bad things that's the issue um i I wonder if you had taken wings outside of the thing that he does well, you know, into a Abe Lincoln speech, if it would have turned out like my Al Pacino speech. I think you got to get him like, like the way I would do it. I definitely film it with not that there was any kind of video film and during the 1860s, um, you know, but I would do some black and white uh, effect so that, you know, the frames are a little jumpy and stuff like that. And maybe film it at an upward angle. Cigar burns. Get him dressed up in the, in the thing and do quick cuts. Like, like, I, I don't expect Wings to be able to go to say like 10 words in a row correctly or with emphasis or the correct emphasis or with any emphasis, really. But, you know, if you're going to direct Wings of Redemption, you just need like quick spouts that you edit together. Like I need him to go four score and 7,000 calories ago and then like cut that and then just like have it be real quick and stuff. I, it could have been funny, but you got to you'd have to be funny writing and he'd have to be looking like Lincoln and he'd have to take that shit seriously with you know and not be being silly or anything and it could be funny as like a 45 second video though you know it's not like a series where yeah, every, let's see what fat lincoln's thing. doing this week you know <laughs> it's not that or anything there's not going to be a fat lincoln channel this week on fat lincoln <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to call it a wrap yeah all right painkiller nearly episode 79 which is kind of cool i think that's a lot of episodes one less than 80 all right Nicely done, Kyle.